He-Man wasn't someone who was living in sin. He-Man wasn't someone who was living in wickedness and, 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 and falling into idolatry. From all accounts, we see that He-Man was loyal to the Lord. And yet, and yet he was plagued by these afflictions. Psalm chapter 88, and for our scripture reading, to start off our ser- my sermon, let's read the first three verses. So Psalm 88, verses 1 to 3, and then may I ask you all to stand as we re- read these uh, three verses. O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried day and night before Thee. Let my prayer come before thee, incline thine ear unto my cry, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draweth nigh unto the grave. You may be seated. The book of Psalms, one of the easiest books to find in the Bible. You simply flip somewhere in the middle, and you'll most likely find this book of Psalms. Now, unlike many books in the Bible, the book of Psalms, they don't really have an overall narrative. Each chapter, each psalm is essentially a self-contained unit. They're either a song, they're either a poem, they're either a prayer. Now the psalms that we are quite familiar with, that we know well, are usually the ones that we have converted to modern hymns. Psalm 23, we've converted to surely goodness and mercy. Psalm 42, we've converted that to as the deer. Psalm 46, A mighty fortress is our God. Psalm 126, bringing in the sheaves. Even some of the choruses that we sing on Sunday mornings, led by Pastor Silver, are based on Psalms. Psalm 25, unto thee, O Lord. Psalm 37, the steps of a good man. And Psalm 113, from the rising of the sun. Thank you. Now we know that there are different types of Psalms in the Bible. There are Psalms of thanksgiving. And there are psalms of praise and worship. And those two, psalms of praise and psalms of thanksgiving, they tend to be more joyful. They tend to be more positive in content. But the psalm we will be looking at tonight, Psalm 88, is the complete opposite of what you would say is joyful and positive. Some have coined this particular chapter in the book of Psalms to be the darkest and saddest chapter or a psalm in the Bible. And if you read the entirety, all 18 verses of this psalm, you'll find that the general tone of this chapter is quite negative and sad. There's not really a light in this entire chapter. So why preach from such a sad and negative passage? Why do they choose something more uplifting that really stirs our soul to do action, into action? Well, if we weren't allowed to preach from Psalm 88, I don't think God would have left it in our Bibles. Every chapter of the Bible must be preached, and I believe that there is a truth that we can learn from even the darkest and saddest psalm. God left it, I believe, this, this particular psalm in the Bible for the purpose of encouraging those who may be going through something similar to the author of Psalm 88. So let's take a look at this dark psalm and see what truth we can glean from this passage. Let's close in a word of prayer, or open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening service. We pray, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for all the people that came tonight. 
Pray, Lord, that you would be with me, be with my voice. Uh, give me power, enable me, Lord, to preach your word and help the people to understand the, the, the basic truth that we'll be studying tonight. And I pray this all in your name. Amen. So the author of this psalm is, you can actually find it in your Bible, is a man named He-Man. A man named He-Man. So not the guy that you see in the 90s cartoon, different He-Man. And He-Man, he's an obscure character. In, in light of the general narrative of the Bible, he is a minor character. He-Man is only mentioned uh, 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 scarcely in the Bible. You don't know too much about him. What we do know about He-Man is, number one, he had great wisdom. When Solomon obtained the wisdom that he got from God after requesting it in the dream, the Bible said that Solomon became even wiser than He-Man, meaning this guy named He-Man, he himself had exceptional wisdom. He was a man that people looked to for maybe advice, for advice on certain matters. He had exceptional wisdom even in the, the king's court. As we know, wisdom doesn't just come from reading books. Wisdom doesn't just come from scavenging and, and trying to find it in the world. Wisdom comes from God, meaning that because He-Man is a wise man, we can assert that he had a great relationship with God. He was a godly man. Number two, we know that He-Man had exceptional musical ability. He was a phenomenal singer, and he played a variety of instruments for the king. He used and dedicated these skills in service to the king and ultimately in service to God. So not only was he a wise man, he was a talented man, and he dedicated those talents to the Lord. And lastly, we know that he had 14 sons, three daughters. And get this, all of them served God with their musical abilities. Now again, I may be reading a bit into the, the scripture, but to raise 17 children and have them all serving the Lord is quite an incredible feat, if you ask me. To have all 17 of your children dedicating their lives and serving the Lord with the talents they've been given. I think that He-Man was quite a good father as well. Not only was he wise, not only was he talented, but he was a, a great father to his children. From the little we know about He-Man, we see that he was, he was all of these things. Based on his testimony, I think everyone here would agree that it would be a blessing to have He-Man in the church. He would be a great addition to any church. Imagine 17 more people in the orchestra. Imagine 17 more people in the choir. Imagine having 17 more people serving in the ministry there with his entire family. He-Man and his family would have been a blessing to any church. The reason why I mentioned and did a brief character sketch of He-Man is to show you that all the things that we will be talking about tonight in Psalm 88 is taking part in this holy man's life. All of these afflictions, all of these trials and tribulations that has been being bestowed upon a person is not happening to someone who deserved it, in a sense. It's not happening to someone because they, they're reaping what they sowed. They were living a sinful life and this is what they're going to get. No, this was taking place in the life of a holy man named He-Man. He was a righteous man. And yet the circumstances that he found himself in brought him to this incredibly troubled mental state. You see him literally express his anguish in this chapter. 
So let's take a look at the, 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 the chapter itself. We'll be staying mostly in this, in this section of the Bible. Point number one, he man's afflictions. If you look at verses two and three, it says, Let my prayer come before thee, incline thine ear unto my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draweth nigh to the grave. His afflictions reached and affected him all the way down to his very soul. There are problems that we encounter in our day-to-day life where, you know, it's not going to hurt us immensely. Someone cuts us off, you know, cuts us off in traffic, you know, we'll get annoyed, but it's not going to affect our soul. Even more so, maybe we get into an argument with our friend. We get into a, a shouting contest that might annoy us, that might make us angry, but at the end of the day, we usually are able to forgive that person within the night. It doesn't impact our soul directly. But the things that He-Man was going through was affecting his soul, was affecting the, very, the inner parts of his soul. And it says that his life was drawing nigh unto the grave. Maybe He-Man had an illness. Maybe he was in his old age. But this phrase suggests that he is knocking at death's door. Psalm 88 verse 4. Let's read further down. I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as a man that hath no strength. I am as a man that hath no strength. He felt impotent, no power. He felt useless to do anything. And his, his impotence was ever in his mind. He couldn't ignore it. He wanted to serve the Lord. He wanted to do more for the Lord. He wanted to keep serving with using his musical talents, but he couldn't. He was unable to do so. He had no strength. I am as a man that hath no strength. Psalm 88 verse 5. Let's keep, keep going. Free among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, whom thou rememberest no more, and they are cut off from thy hand. He felt so physically and emotionally weak that he felt he was practically dead already. That's the state of his physical body. He felt as if he might as well be dead. He had no strength left. He wasn't functioning like a, a normal living human being. He had no strength death left. He, he might as well be a dead man. And like with some dead people, he feels forgotten. He feels abandoned. You know, when a famous person dies or someone who is well-loved, he's remembered for many more years to come. But there are some when they pass away, not one month after, people forget about them. They get lost in the annals of history. And just like those people, just like those dead who are forgotten, He-Man felt forgotten and abandoned. Psalm 88, verse 6. Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the deeps. He's expressing the fact that he is at the lowest point of his life. He expresses the total isolation that he feels. In darkness, in the deeps, in the very lowest pit. That's where I'm at, Lord. All around him is only darkness. And he even expresses the fact that it was the Lord who has placed him in this dark pit, in this lonely pit. Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit, in the darkness, in the deeps. 
Psalms 88, verse 7. Thy wrath lieth hard upon me, and thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves. Selah. I'm sure we've felt similar to this in times past, where it seems that we have been, we're being hit by waves upon waves of trials. He-man felt the same way. He felt afflicted. He could feel God's wrath on his life. Again, he felt powerless to the situation. Psalm 88 verse 8. Thou hast put away acquaintance far from me. Thou hast made me an abomination unto them. I am shut up and I cannot come forth. To he man, it seems that God has purposefully separated him from his acquaintances and friends. And as, as if God had made him appear abominable in their sight. At this point in time, when I was reading this chapter, you can start to see the parallels between He-Man and another famous character in Scripture who also had to go through difficult trials. Job. These words echo Job's words in Job chapter 19, 13 to 19. It says, He hath put my brethren far from me, and mine acquaintance are verily estranged from me. My kinsfolk have failed, and my familiar friends have forgotten me. They that dwell in mine house and my maids count me for a stranger. I am an alien in their sight. I called my servant and he gave me no answer. I entreated him with my mouth. My breath is strange to my wife, though I entreated for the children's sake of mine own body. Yea, young children despised me. I arose and they spake against me. All my inward friends abhorred me. And they whom I loved are turned against me. Again, you might be asking, why preach from such almost like a very negative passages? He-man even expressed the fact that he feels as if there is no escape to his situation. I am shut up and I cannot come forth. He wants to leave this situation. He wants to leave this dark tunnel of his life, but he feels as if he can't do anything. He feels that there is no escape, that there is no light at the end of the tunnel. This is how He-Man is expressing. These are the emotions he feels. He feels trapped. No, no moves left to make. is a checkmate, and it's a game over for him. He feels it otherwise, at least. Psalm 88, verse 9. Mine eye mourneth by reason of affliction. His circumstances have caused him to grieve and mourn. Tears rolled down his face often. Maybe he cried so much from his situation that he had no tears left to shed. And kind of the, the saddest part, the reason why he was extreme, in, in extreme anguish was, was we can find that in Psalm 88, 14. Worse than anything else that he described, worse than his physical condition, worse than the fact that his friends have uh, uh, separated themselves from him, worse than all of these things, 14 says, Lord, why castest thou off my soul? Why hidest thou thy face from me? Why castest thou off my soul? Lord, why are you hiding from me? He feels as if God has cast off his soul, leaving him to fend for himself in this 
difficult life. This was the worst of the things that was afflicting his soul. This, this thought that God has left him. The nagging feeling that God himself has left him to rot, to suffer, to eventually die and perish. He, man, could endure his friends leaving him. That's difficult. For your friends to leave you, that's tough. That can leave you, you know, grieving for weeks, for months, especially if you were extremely close with them. He, man, could even endure his family isolating him. That's even tougher than losing your friends, being disowned by your family, or at least being a feeling like you've been disowned. He can endure those things. But the thought of God leaving him filled him with despair. He couldn't handle that thought. One of the most difficult seasons we can endure is when we feel God is silent, especially if we're already going through challenging situations. When it seems everything is going wrong and your help seems to be nowhere in sight, it leaves a person feeling forgotten, in disparity, and simply rejected. Our major frustrations from these seasons come not from simply being in this pit, but thinking that God's silence means His absence. There are times when we're really struggling that we want an answer from the Lord immediately. And He doesn't necessarily he doesn't speak to us right away. Maybe he chooses to stay silent for a while. And we decide to interpret that as him leaving us, having given up on us. He-man thought the same. He thought that God's silence meant that God has given up on him. Now, unlike, uh, unlike uh, with the account of Job, we don't know exactly what circumstances He-Man was even going through. In that area, we can only speculate about the, the, the things that he had to face. All we do know is the emotions that he felt, the thoughts that raced through his mind during these circumstances, because they're all written in Psalm 88, the emotions that he felt. We can't relate to his circumstances because we don't know what those circumstances are, but we can relate to the overwhelming grief, sadness, and sorrow that he felt as he went through those circumstances. I'm sure as I read those phrases, as I read those verses in Psalm 88, maybe you can relate to them. Maybe you've said something similar in times past when you were going through difficult times as well. I know for myself, some of the phrases that He-Man wrote down in Psalm 88 in this song are similar to the things that I felt when I was filled with grief, while I was going through trials. That thought of feeling completely alone. Now, Satan is clever. He makes you think that you are alone, when in reality you really aren't. He, get, he, he knows a way in which he can separate you from the people that love you and make you actually think that those people hate you. And I believe that He-Man did, uh, did the same thing to He-Man. 
that the, the reason why he felt completely alone, that his friends had forsaken him, that his family had forsaken him, I think that was the, 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 the deception of the devil. I feel completely alone. My friends and family have forsaken me. Life would be better for others and myself if I was dead. He-Man expressed the fact that he just, he's better off dead. I don't know how many of you here, what your history, what your stories are in life, what troubles that you had to go through. But I myself, there was a point in which I thought this world would be better if Ivan wasn't around. That my family would appreciate it. That it would be a, a, a good thank you gift for my parents if I wasn't around anymore. These are genuine emotions, relatable emotions and, and feelings that we find in Psalm 88. This psalm is an example that difficult trials and hard storms can hit anybody. From all accounts, He-Man wasn't someone who was living in sin. He-Man wasn't someone who was living in wickedness and, 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 and falling into idolatry. From all accounts, we see that He-Man was loyal to the Lord. And yet, and yet, he was plagued by these afflictions. Hard, tri- hard trials, hard times don't just hit backsliders, don't just hit the unsaved, but even those who are on fire for the Lord, just like He-Man was, can be hit by these seasons. Many of you, as well as I, relate to the things that he has expressed in this chapter. Maybe some of you are actually feeling similar to He-Man tonight. But the sermon doesn't end here. What will He-Man do with all of these bottled up emotions? Let's find in point number two here, He-Man's prayer life. He-Man's prayer life. In Psalm 88 verse 1, it says, I have cried day and night before thee. I have cried day and night before thee. What did He-Man do when he could no longer contain all of this grief and all of this sorrow that it was in him? He took it to the Lord. Day and night, afternoon or evening, dawn or dusk, He-Man was taking all of these emotions and giving it to the Lord. All of the things that troubled his soul, all of the things that afflicted his soul, he told it to the Lord, cried out unto the Lord. Often, when we are burdened with grief and sorrows, we drown ourselves with so-called painkillers. I'm not talking about the official medical painkillers like morphine, but we drown ourselves with other types of painkillers, things that distract and help us forget about what we are going through. Some people, when they are troubled, they eat their grief away. They go to the nearest fast food, their, their guilty pleasures, and they just eat, 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 and consume. They go into a food stupor, a food coma. Some people, they play games. The thing about games these days, they're so realistic. You can get into a game and you literally can get trapped into this whole new world and they can make you truly believe that you are in this whole new world. It's a, the graphics are amazing. And people, they make it a, a point to escape reality fully. As much as they can, they play these video games in order to forget about the reality. That's their painkillers for all the things that are going on in their lives. Some people read books. 
Some people watch movies. Some even use retail therapy. They shop, 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 buying, 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 buying in order to ease their souls. Many in the world even resort to drugs and alcohol. That's their painkillers. When they get high, when they get drunk, for a brief moment in their life, they can forget about the grief and sorrow. Now, these things that I mentioned, with exception of alcohol and drugs, they're not necessarily bad in moderation. But the thing about these painkillers are, just like medical painkillers, eventually the effects subside. Eventually, when the effect subsides, you'll want more, and this time you'll want even more. There's a reason why a lot of people get addicted to morphine. They, they like the effects of it, but when it wears off, they want even more copious amounts of morphine. And similarly, when we're going through grief and sorrow and we, we run off to maybe our video games, we run off to maybe our books, we run off to the shopping, the, the, the mall, we run off to maybe something else, eventually we'll get consumed by those things. And we get addicted. That's how people develop addictions to these things. Because they try to unhealthily try, escape reality, forget about reality. Instead of taking these so-called painkillers, we need to start going to God who can give us the remedy to our problems, to our grief, the, the pains our soul is feeling. We need to start going to God directly. In Psalm 88 verse 9, he again expresses the fact, it says, Lord, I have called daily upon thee. I have stretched out my hands unto thee. Although God was silent towards He-Man, He-Man didn't give up. Every single day, He would call upon God. If anything, He was consistent in, in, his, in, his, uh, in his prayer to God, in His relationship with God. You know, based on everything that He was probably going through and what we can infer about His circumstances, there's probably many days of the week that He didn't feel like talking to God. There were probably many days in the month where he didn't feel like praying and sending these thoughts to God. But nevertheless, he did. His discipline, he was disciplined. Discipline will always triumph motivation. You don't always feel like doing the right thing, but it's discipline that will allow you to do something like that. He was importune in his prayer life. Consistent. Psalm 88.13 it says, But unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Unto thee have I cried. He, man, didn't cry out to anyone else. He only cried out to God. Because to him, he found his only consolation in God alone. What's impressive about he, man, Despite his feelings, despite how afflicted his life was at this moment in time, his character shone through. It's in the difficult times that our character starts to be revealed to the world. The things that maybe we were hiding, the, thing, the, the personality, our quirks that we are suppressing in order to play well with others, those start to come out and unravel the moment hard times come in our life. Hard times reveal what, who we truly are. 
And these hard times truly revealed He-Man, who He-Man really was, a godly man. Because despite what he was going through, he was going to the Lord and sharing his feelings. He continued to pray. He continued to talk to God daily. To me, this point is, is, is incredibly convicting. Because He-Man had a shopping list of problems in his life. Yet every single day, he remembered to talk to God. I'm not going to say that none of us here have, don't have a shopping list of problems. But I don't think we would, we're in the same situation as He-Man. I think we're living pretty blessed lives. And yet, though we are living a life of ease, why do we forget to talk to God every single day and pray every single day? We struggle to talk to God daily when our lives are going well. We can't even say thank you. And when something does go awry in our lives, we don't go to God often with our troubles. We don't approach and talk to God and pray to God. Lord, help me in this situation. No. Oftentimes we go to our friends. We go to somebody else other than God for relief and for consolation. In this year of upgrades that we've been talking about in church, I suggest that we ought to upgrade our prayer lives. Be more dependent on God. Develop a closer relationship with Him. One that is akin to a true father and, and, and child relationship. A lot of, for a lot of us, it's more so a father and a stranger relationship. Because to many Christians, God is a stranger to us. Even though He has saved us from our sins, afterwards, in, our, in, our, in, the, years of, in the years that we are saved afterwards, He is a stranger to us because we don't often talk to Him. But even in his affliction, he man depended on the Lord. The Lord wasn't a stranger to him. He maybe felt that, he felt that at the time, but he had a close relationship with God. We see he man's afflictions, we see his prayer life and his prayer habits, but lastly, we see he man's hope. Psalm 88 is not unique in the sense that there are a handful of other psalms in the Bible that have a melancholic and sad tone throughout it. There are other psalms that are also quite sad and melancholic in nature. But what separates Psalm 88 and those other psalms of lamentations is the ending. In those other chapters, there is a happy ending. They, they, it, it becomes like a, it's almost like a crescendo. Their, their spirits are lifted up by the end of the chapter. But in Psalm 88, it's, his spirit never gets lifted up any time in the chapter. It doesn't end with a happy ending. I love happy endings. I like finishing things that has a happy ending. Some people don't. They like that, the, the very sad and, 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 and bad endings maybe. But when I watch or play or do anything, I, I want to leave it feeling happy, feeling satisfied. I like a happy ending. But this chapter doesn't have a happy ending. In the traditional sense. Is it safe for us to speculate that he man's life continued to spiral downward and downward after this chapter? That he eventually succumbed to his afflictions? I don't think so. I think it's actually the opposite. Because although there is no happy ending, and not a happy 
middle either, come to think of it. There is, however, a hopeful statement tucked away in this chapter. Look in Psalm 88 and see if you can find that hopeful phrase that he man clung to in his life. Let's see if you can find it. Let's take a sip of water. If you missed it, it's in the very beginning. O Lord God of my salvation. O Lord God of my salvation. Why did he, man, continue to pray every single day consistently, even though God remained silent? Because he knew that God was the God of salvation. Why did he, man, not give up in life, though he was being faced with insurmountable difficulties? Why? Because he knew that God was the God of salvation. That even though he was silent at this point, intrinsically, he knew that God is a God that saves his people. At his core, he knew this for a fact. Despite what he felt, the truth that God saves righteous people was ingrained into his mind. And that source of hope enabled him to go on day after day, no matter how hard it became for him to live. This short phrase in the very beginning of the psalm reveals the small glimmer of hope and light in this otherwise dark psalm. O Lord God of my salvation. With this description of God, the psalmist acknowledges God as his only help and hope, the only source of salvation. No matter what else might be taken from us, this hope in the character of God cannot be taken away. Our circumstances never alter God's character. He was going through a difficult time. And to him, it seemed like God was being silent. It seemed that God has forsaken him, but he knew for a fact that God was the God of salvation, and he clung on to that fact as to continue day by day. Hope is vital in general. Even outside of Christian realms, hope is important. But especially in our Christian race, we need hope or we cannot endure. R.C. Sproul once said, Hope is called the anchor of the soul because it gives stability to the Christian life. But hope is not simply a wish. Rather, it is that which latches on to the certainty of the promises of the future that God has made. Not, I hope so. I hope things will get better. I hope tomorrow will be a better day for me. I hope something changes in my life. That's not the hope that we need. The hope that we need is to look at the promises that we've been given in Scripture, to trust them as 100% true because of God's character. We know that God never lies. And so if He has promised us certain things in the Bible, it will be wrong for Him to, not go, uh, to follow through with His word. 2 Peter 1.4, it says, Whereby are given to, unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. What has God, what has God promised us? Psalm 48.14, For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. 
Deuteronomy 31.6, Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, not be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Psalm 9.10, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. These are three of the dozens and hundreds of other promises that God has given for his people. These are the promises that we cling to. This is our hope. This is what we hold on to in our times of afflictions, in our times of troubles and sorrows. We have to cling on to these promises during these times. Even when we feel like He-Man. Even when we feel we're at a bottomless pit, we can't see anything around us. People have separated themselves from us. Our, our, our body is failing us. In, 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 in these situations where our faith is unknown, we have to cling to the known promises of the Lord. That should be our source of hope in, in the time of a storm. God is not a deceiver that He should offer to support us and then when we lean upon Him, should slip away from us. That is not the type of God, God that's, that we find in the Bible. God will deliver. And so, even though we don't see written down the ending of, of He-Man's afflictions, based on what we find in, in the fact that He was clinging on to this hope, O oh Lord God of my salvation, I can surmise that He got through this storm. Just how God had delivered him from every storm prior, God had delivered him from this particular storm as well. And similarly, we have a hope that we can cling to, especially if you are saved. The hope of salvation. We, we are saved. What a blessing. We, our hope is the fact, the fact that we will go to heaven someday, spend eternity with the Lord. What a blessed hope. And many more things that we can cling on to. In each of our lives, we will always have days, perhaps years of darkness. This is one of the unfortunate consequences of living in a fallen world. Yet it's reassuring to know that Scripture doesn't ignore or minimize our sorrows. Rather, when we're brokenhearted, Scripture speaks to us with genuine empathy and profound hope. Psalm 88 may be the saddest, saddest psalm in the Bible, but even in the saddest of psalms, we can see hints of God's hope. In our moments of deepest despair, may we too cry out, O Lord, God of my salvation, because He truly is the God of our salvation, even in the darkest night of our souls. I can't assure you that your life and your walk with God will be easy, and problem-free. You will have your fair share of dark and sleepless nights. But I can assure you that even in your darkest night, as He-Man was going through, if you call upon God, the God of our salvation, He will hear and bring you out from that night and bring you back into wonderful sunlight. The unsaved, they don't have this privilege. They don't have this relationship with the Heavenly Father. But we do. We, have, we can cling on to the Lord. So if you are someone who is going through a difficult time, remember Psalm 88 and the hope that we can cling to. Let's all close our eyes. Pastor Tim is going to close us in prayer.
Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.